Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Squat Cobbler, episode 68 plus one. I'm Kelly Tool at K-E-L-L-Y-T-H-U-L on Twitter. I am Mike at Official Pagan on everything, and 68 plus one. Kelly, I'm not a goddamn mathematician. What are we talking about here? 70 minus one. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, a concerning, it's a concerning episode number because we're returning to uh, the recommendation format for Squat Cobbler. Always a thrill ride when we do the recommendations. Never really know what you're going to get. And we're going to, we have been from doing. From Kelly, and of course, from yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally the problem. That's exactly the problem. Uh, we've been having a great time doing the Alice uh, Cooper reviews and then moving into the prisoner exchanges where Mike and I have been exchanging favorite albums that the, each other's not familiar with and kind of going through those. And that's been really fun. Uh, that has been, we appreciate your support for those of you listening to us either through the, the podcast feed or on YouTube because super excited that my YouTube channel has finally surpassed 100,000 views, which is pretty cool. And a lot of that is on the backs of people who are listening to and not liking the killer review <laughs> that Mike and I did for Alice Cooper and, and other, other ones as well. So, so thank you for that. That's very cool. And the music stuff's done great. Uh, we'll go back to recommendations and see how that goes, at least for one episode. Any observations, Mike, that now, now we're, we got 100,000 views under our belt? You know, I'm just really enjoying doing this. I just have a lot of fun. We, we had such a great time with the Alice Cooper reviews because you and I are both big Alice fans. And obviously people connected with that. And I feel like so many more people have found the podcast through that. So it's kind of cool to take a step back after doing so much music stuff to kind of show the newer people who who came on board with Alice or with the prisoner exchanges, what we used to do. And that's mostly me trying to backpedal as Kelly just drives us off a cliff. Yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's visit that cliff. Shall we? (laughs) (laughs) Well, what happened here folks, since we've not been in this format for some times is that uh, we'll each be providing a recommendation. It could be, well, it could be about anything. (laughs) So we'll, uh, We'll, we'll see what there are. I just, I figure, you know, it's one of those things where you need to just kind of rip the bandaid off. So I believe, Mike, what we're going to want to do is have you lead us off with your recommendation and just see where we end up on that cliff. So I hand it to you to share your recommendation for this week. Sure. Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> so let me ask you something. How familiar are you with Bigfoot-related erotica? So I'd say it's on a par with tentacle porn, a previous question you've asked me. And I didn't know that genre existed. So uh, let's pretend I don't, okay? (laughs) And I'm not going to have to pretend very hard. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's not my recommendation. I, I just wanted to see if, you know, give Kelly a good scare like the good old days. No, my recommendation actually ties into something that I recommended before, and that's cosplay porn. No. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, a real recommendation of mine at one point, even though Kelly does have a deep fascination, both with Jesus kissing him and with tentacle porn, one of my previous recommendations was, in fact, cosplay-based pornography. Although Kelly claims to have not watched my specific video I gave as an example for this. I thought it was a pretty good recommendation, but that is not it for this week. Uh, I have a clean, wholesome, family-friendly recommendation. Kelly, are you familiar with podcasts? Yes. Yes, yes, I am, somewhat. You, you've heard of these I, things? They're, they're popular with the kids. The kids the kids love them, I hear. They listen to them on their Zooms or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Zunes are the big thing. They're definitely going to replace the Discman any day now. So for anyone who doesn't know, podcasts 
I believe is the per, the correct pronunciation there. The the podcast is sort of like a radio show, but you only hear it on these special electronic devices, as Kelly mentioned. The podcast can be about anything. It can be about any number of topics. There are scripted podcasts, and in fact, going back, so Kelly and I actually used to be on a radio show together. So going back to our radio days, there was a podcast called We're Alive that we spoke about quite a bit, which was yep. a scripted radio drama style podcast. Do you remember? Absolutely. It's great. So, so keeping in line with things like that, a previous recommendation of mine was Shudder, which is the horror centric streaming service that is available from AMC. And they actually offer podcasts on there as well. So recently I decided to delve into one of their podcast offerings. It is a show called video palace and it is scripted along those same lines. And what was cool about it is it's, you know, a scripted drama style thing. But interesting was it follows somebody who is making a podcast. So it has this almost sort of meta in jokey kind of presentation to it. But the storyline, and I don't want to give too much away because, again, this is, you know, sort of a scripted drama. So I'm, I'm highly recommending everybody go and check out Video Palace from Shudder. But the... The idea behind it is there's a guy who is a horror movie fanatic and specifically collects old movies on VHS tapes whenever possible. And he hears about these sort of mythical tapes that only the, you know, most ardent hardcore video collectors have come across these VHS tapes that are on these white clamshells. For any of the kids listening to this, VHS tapes are 15 generations of media ago. People used to watch movies on magnetic tape. Most of the tapes were these black rectangles. Occasionally, though, to promote movies, particularly kids' movies, sometimes the, the hard clamshell plastic on the outside would be different colors. So the suggestion of this show is that there were these white tapes that had something, you know, horrifying on there that people needed to see so he sets out to try and track down these white tapes and make his uh, as a podcast fan make his own podcast about his sort of journey to track down these tapes it's a really interesting show the episodes are about 20 25 minutes long so it's not hard to get through them and there's even some cameos for some from actors and filmmakers and things like that setting it up like he is interviewing all different types of people who are involved in the horror genre who also have some knowledge of these white tapes it's a really fun show it's the first uh shutter podcast that i i've really had an opportunity to check out loved it and i'm gonna start delving into some of their other podcasts right away just off of the strength of that so hopefully they hold up as well but video palace really good if you guys are into podcasts if you're into like radio drama style programs and again this ties back into shutter which i can't stress enough everybody should subscribe to i have no connection to shutter so like i don't get anything for saying that i just think it's a it's probably in my opinion the strongest of the subscription-based streaming services that are out there you get movies you get podcasts uh, there are live TV channels on there, all kinds of interesting things. And you can interact and leave reviews for things, which you can't really do with Netflix and things like that. So my recommendation this week, although I'm sorry if I got Kelly all excited about Bigfoot Erotica, is Video Palace on Shutter. So where do you think the term clamshell came from, Mike? Figure I can't come out of this unscathed. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wait, do you want me to do this? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, I retract my question. <laughs> you're, you're you're sending mixed signals, Kelly. <laughs> That's right. That was 
that was that's fair that's fair enough so is this only pay is this only behind a paywall or can someone who's one to listen to the podcast get to it through other distribution methods as well I'm not sure if it's available anywhere else, but Shudder, compared to the other streaming services, is very, very cheap still. And they're constantly running promotions that you can get multiple months for free uh, for signing up. And I believe full price right now is like 3 or $4 a month. That's certainly affordable. Very cool. And they have, like I said, they have movies. There, there's, in fact, a pretty large library of movies, mostly horror, but there's sci-fi stuff and, and some cult style movies on there as well they have i believe two live tv channels on there now and they have a number of podcasts and things like that as well all right so i'm gonna continue the parade of mixed signals here as we move into my recommendation parade of mixed signals would be a great band name by the way yes indeed yeah well, that'd be a really good band name so we, the question had come up on our our last one about if we were to form a fake band and i do think parade of mixed signals would actually be better now that I think about it, I girded my loins in preparation for uh, Mike's recommendation. Ironically, lot, ties very nicely uh, into to my uh, recommendation for this week. So a while back, back when our good friend Mel had internet connection and we were doing nurture and supports, which don't worry, folks, they're coming back. Fiber optic is on its way to Mel. Good things are going to happen. But I made a recommendation on a, a Netflix series called The Toys That Made Us which is super cool. Talked about all sorts of Star Wars figures uh, and a number of uh, other Lego, a bunch of different things. And they had a segment on, on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And it was an entire episode on that. And it was good. But that's been followed up now also on Netflix by uh, a, an entire documentary. runs about an hour and a half called The Power of Skull: The Definitive History of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And uh, this is absolutely worth it this is a really fascinating thing the whole the the whole he-man thing is just kind of super interesting on kind of multiple levels one the toy industry is a cutthroat industry there's a lot of activity that goes on between the areas between different companies and it was really interesting to see that when star wars came along saying hey we'd like to do action figures and it was kind of that first step into this place the big boys uh like mattel took a pass in a very kind of small outfit uh, called Kenner, ended up taking them on and had just gigantic success. You know, they were actually able to sell empty boxes for Christmas saying, this is your kind of uh, rain check to get Star Wars. We don't have them done yet, but they'll come. So buy your kids an empty box and they'll eventually get the Star Wars figures. And huge money and tremendous sales on those types of things. So Mattel was a little irritated by that, and they had done some other activities that hadn't quite worked out super well for them. And so they were in a bit of a hole financially, and so they said, we've got to come up with something. And so they eventually came up with uh, He-Man. And this initially started out as a uh, toy series and, and action figures and play sets and all those types of things. And it really, really took off. Mike, care to take a guess what the, the total He-Man toy sales were in 1987? Uh, that's a tough one, but I can say just based on my collection, they were doing pretty well. Yep. Try $400 million. So, nice. so that's not too shabby. Deep that's watch kind of money right there. It's deep watch kind of money. That's when we could monetize Squat Cobbler. That's that kind of money we're talking about. $400 million filed in 1988 by sales of $7 million, which you know, $7 million is, you know, you add that up, it's still kind of real money. But a bit of a fall from 400 million. So it was the, 
that was an interesting they, they cover that and kind of how that all happened but this was gigantic uh in in terms of um a toy market and it's coming in post star wars probably the hokiest name possible <laughs> you know he-man is not particularly particularly creative but this kind of covers the whole history of it and you're, you're talking to the you know they, they interview the guys that are doing the pitch and they're coming in and hey this is a new toy series and it's going to be this guy and he's muscly he's got a sword and all that kind of stuff and they were like so in star wars they had already had a movie and kids had a frame of reference to get the action figures and so this guy's coming out of nowhere how's this going to work and you know not to spoil much of the documentary but i think this is an important point to bring up these guys are thinking on their feet and the guy goes, Oh, didn't I tell you we're going to include a comic that tells the backstory with all the action figures and all there, which was news to everybody in the entire room, except the guy that pitched it out. So they, they did introduce a a comic to start to give the He-Man backstory and as well as that. And so it was actually the toys that came first. And then eventually they said, you know what? We ought to really start to do a a comic series or a, a television cartoon series based on these characters that'll help our sales, which is as that got running, that was kind of hit full steam when they hit that $400 million mark. But they ran a little bit of foul of the FCC and some other folks. Cause they were like, so basically you're running a 30 minute commercial for your toys. And they weren't too happy about that. And so what you will see, cause not only on Netflix, can you get by the power of Grayskull, the, the definitive history of He-Man, the masters of the universe, but you can also get to, the original He-Man and She-Ra series. And you kind of actually watch those episodes. And what you will see is the way they got got around, oh, this isn't a commercial for the toys, is at the end of every He-Man, there was a lesson that they tacked on the end, kind of a moral to the story, kind of, hey, this is what we learned today, that typically had absolutely nothing to do with the storyline. So they would kind of go through, and there'd be the big battle between He-Man and Skeletor, and He-Man would win, and then they'd, cut back to another character and go, well, today we learned that it's not a good idea to ask babies to create stained glass windows or whatever the, the issue might be. And the, and, but they, they did kind of do because your baby sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's just, they, they don't have the right dexterity to do good stained glass window work in my opinion. And there's, there, there's the issue of injury. So, but they, they introduced that kind of thing, but it's just, it's fascinating to see kind of the, the internal politics within Mattel to try and make this happen. You know, they were on top of the world. They were doing incredible things. Then bottom, they kind of oversaturated toy stores with the stuff, crashed. And then they kind of kept trying to come back and all sorts of kind of ill-advised <laughs> He-Man in space, all sorts of other different kind of ideas to try and recreate the magic that they never could. But it's just a really interesting thing around how it evolved, how they worked around some of the issues. I just think it's a, a really, really cool story. And to see something that just totally erupted and to just see fascinating things like one of the, the biggest items was the uh, Castle Grayskull, which was, you know, kind of critical in the He-Man story, uh, was a kit that you could buy. It was part of those $400 million of sales. And that was like a $30 or $40 kit selling in the, in the mid-80s. So, you know, that's not a small investment. A few problems with it, because if you actually kind of had your He-Man figures and you had Castle Grayskull, the door to Castle Grayskull was insufficient <laughs> to allow He-Man to enter. And there was little scale issues and some things like that. So it, it kind of covers a lot, of, a lot of those things. But I had not fully realized how popular that toy line was 
but this kind of covers that covers the, the cartoon and kind of went on there. You get to hear kind of the interplay between the competition between various uh, toy companies and how cutthroat that gets from time to time. And so it's a super fun watch. It's about an hour and a half. If you'd seen the toys that made a segment, you're going to get a lot of the main plot points in it. But this adds some extra depth and, and I just, I found it really, really enjoyable. So if you've got Netflix, you definitely need to check this out. It's a good, it's a good watch. So uh, I was born in 1982, and as a kid during that time, a male child who also has a penchant for homoerotica, I loved the He-Man toys. I had the Castle Grayskull. I had all of the figures, so I was super into He-Man. I don't know if you're aware, Kelly. Are, are you a Funko guy at all? I don't know what qualifies a person as a Funko guy. I like I like some of the stuff they do, uh, and I have several several of them. I'm not a massive collector, but I'm very familiar with with the line and and like what they do. Yeah, I'm a fan of their stuff. I don't have tons of their stuff either, um, but I I have some of the pop figures and a few other things. But they recently released a line. So so you mentioned scale and size, and you know one of the things that from i haven't seen this documentary yet i saw that it was on there though so i'm excited to watch it one of the things that that i remember about the he-man toys versus gi joe and star wars and the other sort of smaller action figures is the he-man characters were were full-on roid rage very large in scale and width compared to the other characters funko has released he-man a line called savage world and it's the he-man the old school he-man style action figures but instead of He-Man, they are the same scale, size, ultra-muscular versions with, with the He-Man-style weapons and costumes and all, but of slasher movie villains. So I just picked up the the Savage World version of Jason, but they also have Freddy Krueger and Leatherface and things like that as well. No, I had not heard of that at all. That sounds pretty amazing. <laughs> and so they're, they're pretty awesome. I highly recommend it. I'll do some searches before I do the blog post on this and if I can get an image or two to demonstrate to the squatties out there what those look like. They definitely they definitely need to be in the blog post because that sounds super cool. Again, poking the bear, tempting fate. <laughs> the creative universe of villains uh, within He-Man was intriguing. Uh, they had, you know, Ram Man who <laughs> could ram things. <laughs> and so there was that. Uh, there was uh, one that was basically his odor was his superpower, which was, I, was nice. I had that figure, and the figure smelled. So they were they were right on right on track for there. Yeah, there's some sort of chemical on the figure <laughs> to make it smell bad. There, there were a couple, and they they did, at least did learn there were a few. They kind of knew going into it, there were a few things they couldn't get away with to begin with. And I don't remember if I'm pretty confident that this is actually in in the my recommendation versus the uh, toys that made us segment. But there was a creature that lived under the water that was a villain and so they do a lot of man types of things and he ended up being merman uh he did not have mermaid like tendencies but they called him merman because their original name they realized wasn't going to play any guess mike what their original name for this character was uh no i i remember the merman thing but i i have no idea what their original concept for it was although this seems like a good time to interject I'm a fan of a really small genre of movies, which are mermaid-themed horror movies. So, so hopefully it plays into that somehow. So I don't think it does directly, but uh, that's fascinating because I was unaware that there was mermaid horror out there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. No, I'll fill you in later. That, uh, that, sounds, that sounds intriguing. No, Seaman was his original idea, and they realized, <laughs> they realized they couldn't do that. So, 
So that, that was on the drawing board early. And they said, ah, I think we're going to need to go a different way. So I could just see the unintentional playground antics coming up now. <laughs> Kids running around playing with their figures, yeah. getting their, somebody stealing somebody else's seaman. Yeah. Like, oh, teacher, he has my seaman in his pocket. Yeah, you left your seaman on my desk, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that would all you be hit me in the face with his seaman. Yeah. I just. So I don't know from a YouTube editing standpoint what, how active I need to be. <laughs> We're saying C-Man. S-E-A-S-M-A-N. Yeah. C-Man. Jack thug YouTube editors <laughs> out there. So I think it's fine. <laughs> I, I, what the heck? You know, at this point, they suspend me, whatever. If we so, can't say kids hitting each other in the face with their C-Man, yeah. then what kind of world do we live in? I do not want to live in that world. I will admit that it was my fault. We ended up in this dark place. Kelly did this. I, yeah, I have to point this. Kelly does this all the time, and I feel like no. I get the blame for it. So so I don't think Kelly does this all the time. I all do think time. Kelly did it today. I, I will, <laughs> Kelly will own this episode in causing the problem. I, I do believe that sometimes it's uh, it emanates from a different source. Nope, not from what I can recall. It's all on tape. Well, <laughs> it's all on YouTube <laughs> and the podcast. <laughs> Let, we'll let the listeners be the judge, but can we call yeah. this episode covered in semen? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Rarely do I interject with the titles. That that's usually entirely Kelly's department, but I think covered in semen is the way to go. Maybe thoughts about semen, <laughs> or or not. I think it might be Squat Cobbler episode sixty-eight plus one. <laughs> that may be. That may be here. That's good too. But sixty-eight plus one. An earful of seaman. <laughs> yeah, that that could maybe be in the post. We'll 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 uh, we'll uh, we'll, de- we'll determine it from there. Well, uh, shockingly enough, this was actually fun. <laughs> so I never know when we go back into recommendation land where where things are going to land. But it was kind of good to do that. As everybody listening knows, Mike and my fingers are crossed that we get we get well back in commission soon here, and we can get the nurture and support train running again. Uh, I think we're close. We'll see. Uh, very likely the next time you hear back from Mike and I, we'll be doing some more uh, Prisoner Exchange, some more albums. And on that note, I have nothing else to add. So I'd just like to say thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, everybody. So.